Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our in-depth study into the book of Revelation by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Last week, in chapter 12, we began to introduce to you the major participants in the apocalypse. There, in chapter 12, 13, and part of 14, it stops and God introduces us to those players. And there, in chapter 12, we were introduced to the woman, the radiant woman, who is Israel, who is about to give birth and gives birth to that male child. And we know that that male child is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also introduced to the dragon. The dragon is Satan. And a vivid description of him regarding his seven heads and ten horns and the diadem knowing that he is a vicious uh, enemy of not only Christ, but of God himself. And therefore, he is sitting there waiting for the baby to be born in order to destroy the child. But he was not successful in that as we looked historically. And he wasn't successful at that. Whenever Jesus was born, God protected the child. They were introduced to Michael, the archangel, who does battle with the dragon who is in heaven And he throws him out of heaven and cast him to the earth. About three and a half years into the time of the tribulation, he'll be cast out and he has no more right, no more privileges in heaven. And that's why it says in the heavens, there is reason to rejoice because the old dragon can't be around there anymore. But he warns the people who are the earth dwellers because the dragon is coming and he is full of wrath because his time is short and talks about the battle that's going to take place. Introduced us also to those who are the children The other children are the rest of the offspring of the woman. And those are all the believers where the Jews are Gentiles who come into relationship with Christ and have a testimony of Jesus. Then in chapter 13, we're introduced to two more of those characters. And today I'm going to cover one of those. We're introduced to two beasts. One is called the beast of the sea. And I want you to write that down so that you know that the beast of the sea is the Antichrist. He is the Antichrist. And then we'll be introduced to the beast of the earth. And the beast of the earth is the false prophet. We'll talk about him, Lord willing, next week. But today, because the Antichrist plays such a role, and because it's so important to be able to tie all the prophecy together, we'll be focusing on this one who is the Antichrist. This is what it says beginning in verse 17 of chapter 12. Because remember, whenever this was written, it was written as a letter not with chapters and verses. Therefore, sometimes we miss some things if we put the chapters and verses together. I want you to pick up verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with a woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So it's talking about the dragon who's Satan. Goes in verse 1. And he, talking about that dragon, stood on the sand of the seashore. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne And great authority. Let's stop there for just a moment and talk about this one that the dragon 
is waiting to see come forth out of the sea who is called the beast. Now, before we go any further, I want to remind you, like I did last week, that when it describes this one who's the beast, much like the way it describes the one who's the dragon, that certainly does not mean the way he appears naturally. But rather, it is God's description of his nature and his heart. When God is describing the dragon, he describes him from what his heart and his nature, his evil nature is. When he describes this beast, and he's talking about the beast, he's describing the Antichrist as being one who in his nature is like that beast. The Antichrist is not going to be ugly, my friend. The Antichrist is probably going to be the best looking, most intelligent, uh, best conversationalist, one who has tremendous charisma and that the world as a whole is going to gravitate to and be deceived by. Do not think that he's going to be ugly in any way, but rather it's the description of his heart and his nature that God says he is a beast. And Satan is the one who brings him forth, it says, out of the sea. Now, what does the sea mean? Well, in scripture, the sea represents usually the calling of all mankind or the pool of all mankind, especially the Gentiles. So most people think the Antichrist is not going to be a Jew, but rather is going to be a Gentile. He's going to be a Gentile out of all that pool of people who make up the various nations who make up this world. But not only does the sea represent the, the mass humanity, uh, amount of humanity, but it also represents the sea is always talking about that which is, brings fear, causes one to have fear because of the raging of the sea. When you go out in the sea in that particular time and there would be the white capping and the storms that would blow and they would not know what is in the midst of the sea, it was something that would picture something that would cause fear or something that would be raging about. And the picture of this is really what it says about how the Antichrist is going to be able to come on the scene and to be able to deceive people. Because he's going to be able to come on the scene and deceive people because of the condition that the world will be in at that time. If you go back to, to Revelation chapter 6 verse 1, that's when the first horn was blown. Remember the first trumpet was blown. And we were introduced to one who came riding on a white horse who had a bow in his hand but had no arrows. And it says he came to conquer. And remember when we were talking about that, the blowing of the first trumpet is where it introduces us at the very beginning to this one who is the Antichrist. He is going to come in and he is going to rule and reign, not because he wins by battle, but because by persuasion it's going to be handed over to him to give the opportunity to rule and reign and be the one world ruler in this world at that time. Why? Because of the raging of the sea. What does that mean? Well, if you remember after the blowing of the first trumpet there in chapter 6, it describes what's going to happen in this world. It's going to be horrible things that had never happened before. There's going to be war like there's never been war before. There's going to be famine like there's never been famine before. There's going to be death where one-third of the population dies like it never has before. There's going to be terror that's going to come about in this world. There is going to be a tremendous upheaval, and there's going to be a raging in the world. And now comes this one who is the Antichrist coming out of the masses of people, and he's going to be the answer to all those problems. 
He's going to be the one who's going to be able to solve the wars and bring peace. He's going to be able to the one to solve the famine problem. He, he's going to be the answer. And the world is going at that time, as hard to believe as it is, the world at that time is going to accept him and receive him as their leader. And they're going to think that he's wonderful and great. But what God says about him is he is a beast. He is a beast who is coming forth from the sea. It also describes him in a different way. In chapter 17 of the Revelation, it says in verse 8, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss. In other words, he says, not only is he coming out of the mass of humanity in this raging world, but also he's being ushered in out of the abyss. And that's the place where Satan is going to be in control. Satan is dictating. Satan has that, oh, Satan and the dragon is the one who's calling him forth. It's time for him to show up on the scene. Well, what about all this description it says in there in verse one? And I saw a beast coming out of the sea, listen, having 10 horns and seven heads and his horns were 10 diadems and on his head were blasphemous names. What is that talking about? Well, if you'll look in the word of God, you'll find that it describes very vividly what that is talking about there in Revelation 17, whenever it said there in verse eight about this one, this Beast who's coming from the abyss, it explains it beginning in verse 9. Listen what it says. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for a little while. And the beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with a beast for one hour. These have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast. So why that description? Well, one reason the description is given, if you'll look over in chapter 12 where it described the dragon, almost the exact description of the dragon is what the description of the beast is. In other words, what God says about Satan, he says this one who's going to be an earthly man form has every characteristic as Satan. He is the representation of Satan in this world. You got to get that. He's the representation in bodily form of Satan in this world. Do you realize and do you understand that Satan doesn't do anything original? Everything Satan does is a copycat. Everything Satan does is a counterfeit. It looks like it, but it's not real. Satan even does that in regard to what is called the unholy trinity. What is the Holy Trinity? We know it, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Trinity. Well, oh, Satan is going to counterfeit that, and he's going to copy that. And how is he going to do that? He's going to have the unholy trinity. And the unholy trinity is Satan is in the representation of God the Father. 
The Antichrist is going to be the representation of Satan in bodily form on this earth. You got the picture? All right. That's like Christ. And the false prophet is going to fulfill the role that the Holy Spirit has in the Holy Trinity. Because the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit is bringing glory, constant glory to Jesus. And the false prophet's number one job is to bring glory to the beast. What I'm simply telling you is Satan can never get anything original. He just has to copy it. So when it describes him, just as it described the dragon in chapter 12, it's telling you that in bodily form, this one is like Satan. This beast is like Satan. Same agenda, same purposes, just like Satan. And so what do these horns and heads represent? It tells you right there. It says, first of all, the seven heads, the seven heads represent seven mountains, seven heads and seven mountains. And they also represent seven kings, seven kings are kingdoms and it divides it and lets you know what they are. There have been five kingdoms, it says, and one is and one is yet to come. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Do you realize exactly that's exactly what has happened in our world, that the world kingdoms, that's exactly what's happened. There have been six world kingdoms and yet one to come. Let, let's go over those. If you remember in, South, in your Western Civ class, the first great kingdom was the kingdom of Egypt. You remember that? The kingdom of Egypt. That was replaced by Assyria, the Assyrian kingdom. That was replaced, and remember the Assyrian kingdom is the one who wiped out the northern kingdom, right, of Israel. Then there was the Babylonian kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, and all those who defeated the Assyrians, who defeated Jerusalem and carried Daniel and all the children of Israel, who were select children of Israel, over to Babylon for that period of exile. But they were defeated and overcome by the Medo-Persians. You remember that? Daniel even lived during that time of the reign of King Darius. And then the Medo-Persians were defeated by the Greeks, Alexander the Great. Those were five kingdoms. It says that there were seven heads, all right, seven mountains, seven kings, five which were. In the time of the writing of this, those five kingdoms had exist. But it says, and there also is one that is. And what kingdom is that? That's the Roman kingdom. The Roman kingdom was in power when John recorded this revelation. So there are five that were, and there's one that is. And there is one that is yet to come. There is a seventh kingdom that is yet to come. And that seventh kingdom is going to be the revived kingdom of the Roman kingdom. Because if you remember when we went through Daniel, I shared with you a few years ago that the interesting thing about all kingdoms, all kingdoms were defeated. And that's why a new kingdom came into power. The Medo-Persians defeated the Babylonians. The Greeks ended up defeating the Medo-Persians. That's how it happened. Except for the last of those kingdoms, that was the Roman kingdom. The Roman kingdom was never defeated. The Roman kingdom just dissipated. It just lost its vigor, lost its power, and it spread out. And the Roman kingdom was never, ever defeated. And one day, the Roman kingdom will be revived. 
The Roman kingdom will be revived and it's going to be revived under the leadership of this one who's called the Antichrist. The Roman kingdom. That's why the seven heads represent the seven hills. You know what Rome is called? It's the city of seven hills. And Rome was the central part of that particular one who is and who is yet to come. And this one is going to be have seven heads because of all of those seven kingdoms in regard to that. Now, in relationship to that, it says also there's going to be ten horns. And what is the ten horns? It tells you right there about the ten horns. It says, verse 12, chapter 17. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. They have one purpose, and that's to give power and authority to the beast. In other words, this kingdom that the, be- that the beast and the Antichrist is going to be over is going to have ten kings under it who are leading out in that. He is the ultimate ruler, but there are ten kings who are going to have power in that established Roman, revived Roman kingdom, and they're going to have power. But their whole purpose is to live for and to promote the Antichrist, the one who is their head. Look back to verse to chapter thirteen. It says that those horns, those horns have ten diadems, which means they're kings, and the head were blasphemous names. They are full of blasphemy towards Almighty God. Then there's another description. Look at verse two. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. What in the world is it talking about when it's talking about that description of this beast? Well, I promise you this, though the word of God is the greatest commentary on the word of God. Amen. And almost everywhere that you read something, you don't really quite understand that. If you'll read and look, you'll find out that it's basically pointing you with a road sign that says, go back and read. Go back and read. Go back and find out what it's talking about. And this is a road sign. That description is a road sign to us to go back and read. And what we're to go back and read is Daniel chapter 7. So turn to in your Bibles there to Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to go back and see what this great man of God, Daniel, who he prayed three times a day. He wasn't going to give up praying, even if it cost him his life in the lion's den. That man had a walk with God, and God showed him things beyond what you could ever imagine. God showed him things about the coming Christ. God showed him things that was 600 years B.C. He showed him things about yet the days to come. God revealed to him the end times. Wow. What an amazing thing. And Daniel here, in one of his visions... He's going to share with you some truths and some names of animals that maybe you've heard before. In Daniel chapter 7, verse number 2, it says, I was looking my vision by night, and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Heard anything about a sea? You already think about that today? All right. Look at verse 3. And four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. Verse 4. The first was like a lion. That's all I'm going to read. You heard that? Verse 5. And another beast, a second, resembling a bear. Have you heard that? Verse 6. After this, I kept looking, and behold, another one like a leopard. Have you heard that? 
Absolutely. Verse 7, and after this, I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, a fourth a beast dreadful and terrifying, extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts are blasphemies. Then look at what it says in verse 17. These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. He didn't just tell us about the beast he saw. He tells us they represent the kingdoms. And they do. They represent the kingdoms. Well, what are those kingdoms? And what are he talking about? Well, they're almost in opposite order of what they are in the Revelation. But there's a good reason to be in opposite order. Because Daniel is looking what? He's looking from here to the future. What is, what is John looking at? John is looking from here to the past before looking at the future. In the past, in relationship to these kingdoms. So what's he talking about? Well, the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon was represented by the lion. Was represented by the lion. It had a lion's mouth. The Babylonian Empire was overtaken by the Medo-Persians. And what was the symbol for the Medo-Persians? The bear. The bear. And the Medo-Persians were defeated by the Greeks. And what was their symbol? The leopard. It's an exact order of how it was said to have happened. There's going to be this leopard who has the feet of a bear, who has the mouth of a lion. But he says, but there's this fourth beast who is worse than them, who brings fear and terror to his heart. There's this fourth beast that is yet to come. Now go back to the Revelation chapter 13. Whenever he describes this last beast, he describes this last beast as being a beast who has all of those different traits. It has the leopard's body. It has the lion's mouth. It has the bear's feet. But it is yet another kingdom. You know what that tells us? That is each, every one of those successive kingdoms, just as Daniel said it was going to happen. But kingdoms are always the same people. Just because a kingdom changed doesn't mean there's different people. It just happens to be one kingdom and another kingdom and another kingdom. And the reality is it doesn't matter what kingdom it is on the earth, our kingdom included. It doesn't matter what kingdom is on the earth. It still has sin and wickedness and ungodliness in it. Every one of them were ungodly. Every one of them were sinful. And they didn't get better. They seemed to get worse. And so this last beast is actually a combination of all of those different kingdoms and all of their contributions and everything that's coming up to be this fourth kingdom, which is represented by that fourth beast who is going to be the Roman Empire, who is going to exist for a while and then be not, but will come back again. 
the Roman Empire that's going to be revived. And he says, when I saw that, when I looked at that, I realized that that beast was a leopard and a bear and a lion, a combination of all the ungodliness of kingdoms have come together and is going to be under the rulership of this one, the beast, the beast. Now, where does he get his power? Look what it says there in verse number two. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. You need to underline that about five times. Because that tells you what has happened. That tells you what's taken place. I told you all Satan is setting forth the unholy trinity. Do you know how he does that? He finds this person who is the antichrist and he's going to make a deal with him. The deal he makes with him is the one that Jesus gave up and did not make with Satan in the wilderness. You remember what the deal was? He said to Jesus, you bow down before me and I will give you what? What? All the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of this world. I will give you that authority. I'll give, Jesus didn't even argue with him. He knew he had the power to do it. So the Antichrist is the one who comes along and takes that deal. Who takes that deal and Satan ushers in him authority, a throne and power. And he is now the epitome of Satan. He is that part of the unholy trinity. Wow. Can you imagine that? People have asked me before, do you, do you think the antichrist is alive today? I think there has been an antichrist in every generation. That's what John said in his epistle. He says, there is the spirit of the antichrist that now exists, but there is yet one coming who is the antichrist. See, I don't think Satan knows when the end of time is happening. Only God knows that. Amen. So Satan has always got him somebody lined up who can be that antichrist when the time happens. When the Holy Spirit leaves, the restraining power is no more. And he has, has the opportunity to have authority here in this world. He's got that one. Matter of fact, he's used them throughout different generations, hasn't he? Hitler was a spirit of an antichrist. Would you believe that? Would you believe that? In the fact, he's trying to annihilate and destroy the Jewish nation. Why? Why? The same reason the dragon was trying to do it. Every generation has the potential of an antichrist, but it wasn't time. But there will be that time when the restraining power is gone and all authority is going to be given to this beast. Now look what happens next. Don't miss this. Verse three. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? I told you Satan does everything that's a counterfeit. You know what he does here that's a counterfeit? He gives a counterfeit death and resurrection to the Antichrist. In other words, it says by the sword he is going to be struck. The old antichrist is going to be struck down and it's going to be a wound where he cannot get well. Or it's going to be a wound where he is perceived as dead. But then old Satan is going to give him life back. And when he gets his life back, it's going to be like he's been resurrection. It is no resurrection. It is the deception of the enemy. Satan has no power to give life to anybody. 
But he is going to so deceive the world that they're going to all be able to look and they're going to be all be able to see when they see this one who is dead, but who's now alive, they're going to begin to worship him and honor him and give glory to him and be wondered and amazed at him. Isn't that just what happened with God? God, the father, God, the son, the son died. He really died, gave his life, was resurrected. But it's interesting that God let just a few of his followers see that he didn't put it on national TV. But Osage's going to put his on national TV. He's going to put it where everybody in the world is going to see it. And the whole world is going to be engulfed by that deception. And now this one who is dead and now alive, the whole world is going to follow him. And they begin to worship him. And Satan gets what he, what he always wanted. What it says there. Don't miss that. In verse 4, they worship the dragon. What has Satan been wanting from the beginning? To be worshipped. He wanted to be in the place of God. And what he's been wanting to be worshipped now, because his antichrist has died and come back alive, it looks like, they all began to worship the dragon. They began to worship the beast. And they say, who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against him? Look at, look at the arrogance now of the antichrist. Verse 5. And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. An authority to act for 42 months, halfway through the tribulation... 42 months was given to him, but he only has 42 months where he can do this. Look at verse 6. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme not only the name of God, but the dwelling place of God, his tabernacle, and all those who dwell in heaven. You're talking about arrogance. Who in the world would be so arrogant? Oh, Satan. Oh, Antichrist. Blasphemies before Almighty God. Not only his name, but his place of dwelling and also those who dwell there. Verse 7, and it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. He is going to annihilate the saints. He's going to do war against all those who have named the name of Christ. And then he's going to be the ultimate authority over every tribe, people, tongue. Look at verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. And everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. In other words, he said, everybody's going to worship him except for those people whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Those people whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, they will be faithful to Almighty God, even though it means that they will be slain. Even though they will die. And I'm here to tell you about the masses, people will want to claim this physical life. They want to claim the opportunity to buy food. They're going to do everything they can to try to stay alive. Do not be deceived by that. Those do not need to be deceived. The what really matters is your eternal security and where you're going to be forever. Amen. And for those saints, those saints are going to be warred against, but those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they will never worship the Antichrist. Look at verse 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with a sword, with a sword he must be killed. But here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. In other words, God's basically saying he's allowing this to happen. There's purposes and mysteries behind all of what God's doing. We won't understand that till we get to glory. But he says when all that happens, the captivity, the death, and all, it's going to happen just as it's been laid out. But here's the perseverance and the faith of the saints that he only has 42 months. 
There's only 42 months, and then God is going to deal with Satan, and he's going to deal with the Antichrist. Amen? And we're going to have to deal with him anymore, bless God. That's going to be great, glorious, and wonderful. But what we're called to be is to persevere and to have the faith, those who are the saints of that time. One of the most important words that you'll find in this section of Scripture as well as the next is these in verse 5 and verse 7. And there was given to him, at the end of that verse, was given to him, verse 7, and it was given to him, at the end, was given to him. Let me tell you something. Even though Satan is wreaking havoc, even though the Antichrist has become the beast that everybody's worshiping, even though he's going to try to annihilate the saints, even though all of this is taking place, none of that happens except God, in his infinite wisdom, gives the authority to do it. God never takes himself off the throne. And the only reason this takes place is fulfilling a purpose that God has. It's probably beyond what we can ever grasp or understand, but understand that God is still on the throne. And when the time is up, the time is up. The unholy trinity is real. It's real. You're going to meet the false prophet who's like the Holy Spirit of the Holy Trinity next week. Read on. The most important thing is where are you in relationship to God? Because the joyful thing I have of my belief and what I believe is I'm not going to be here. All this stuff that's happening right here, I'm sorry for anybody who's going to believe it, but I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in glory. I'm going to be in glory waiting for the time when the 42 months are up. And whenever God deals with Satan in his judgment. Can you say that, that you're going to be here or you're not going to be here? Do you know how the relationship with Christ? Are you 100% sure that if you died today or Jesus came back today, you know where you'd be? If you don't know that, you need to. You need to give your heart and your life to Christ today. Accept him as Lord and Savior. Child of God, if you know somebody in your family, friends, somebody you work with, somebody you care about. But you don't know where they would spend eternity. I don't know how you can hardly sleep or we can sleep at night without knowing that on our heart and a burden on our life for that person we love to come to a personal relationship with Jesus or at least have that opportunity. We need to do that. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.